It's time for midday. It's 11.30 at KRVN on this Friday, the 8th day of January. Thanks for tuning in. Wherever you may be listening, some areas receiving some light uh, snow right now. And Bob Brogan giving us uh, a big yawn. You tired over there, Bob? I'm a little bit. I'm just a touch faded. It's been a long week, hasn't it? I'm you know, I'm fading a little bit here, but then again, <laughs> sometimes I get my second wind. Do we need to go to you first so you don't uh, fall asleep? No, I don't. I, I think I'm. It's safe that I'll make it through this. Okay, all right. I'm just double checking. I just always looking after you, there, yeah. Bob. So, Thank you. Appreciate right. that. You bet. We'll hear from Bob here in just a, a second here, if he's still awake, uh, to give us a, a full preview of the business report. Uh, Scott eventually will file his way in for the look at the sports update as well. But let's start with our own Susan Littlefield. Uh, Susan, how are you so far? I'm sorry. I was dozing off. Did you say something? No, just kidding. <laughs> Everybody's doing it, huh? It, it, hey, it's been a no, long week. It has been a long week, but no, I'm doing great. It's it's Friday. There's lots of fun things happening as we head into the weekend. So, And I got to announce a wrestling meet last night. Now, how many can say that for a Thursday night? Ah, well, that's good that we're having things back to normal. Uh, at least you have some normalcy, I suppose, doing stuff like that. Exactly. And it was it was great to have a huge crowd, 50% capacity. It was awesome. Terrific. Very good. Well, what do you have for us on this Friday edition of Midday? What? We are going to check into the weather. Chad will be talking with Al Dutcher to see what's going to happen as we head into this weekend and into uh, next week. I know a lot of areas have seen fog every morning. Is that going to continue? We'll find out more details weather-wise. Then at 1245, Alex will be talking about rural grocery stores. They play a very important role in our community. And, of course, there's a transition. What happens when a store closes or new ownership steps in? Well, the folks from the Rural Grocery Initiative are going to address all of that. And I know they've got some great webinars that are coming up as well through the folks at Kansas State University. So that's at 12.45. Then at 1.17, we continue our FNBO's Friday feeders. This time we're headed out to the western part of the state in Chabella. She talks with Doug Olson. He talks about calving and how they do that just a bit different at his operation. So that's coming up on a midday for a Friday from the farm team. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Susan. Have a good one. You too. All right, let's turn over to Scott Foster, who's stepping in for Jason Jorgensen. And, uh, well, Scott, sad news in Major League Baseball earlier this morning. Yeah, you came in and told me that. I hadn't heard it. Tommy Lasorda, 93-year-old, passed away. Uh, He had been hospitalized, but it looked like it was getting better. And uh, apparently not. Of course, iconic link to baseball past, almost in a way. We're losing more and more of those guys, but... uh, uh, it, sad to see him go. He was such a big part of the Los Angeles Dodgers for so long. Now, I know you were a Padres mm-hmm. fan, but uh, obviously this is still, and me being a Rockies fan, I know he wasn't uh, managing at the time, but it's sad news no matter what happened. It is. And, and, and like I said, he's such a ni- was such a nice connection to the kind of the glory days of baseball and the Dodgers and was just such a great figure. It's sad to see him go. Speaking of not going anywhere, the Cleveland Browns, uh, aren't uh, getting to practice very much lately. Yeah, a lot of COVID issues out there. Uh, quickly, let's turn over to Bob Brogan. Give us a, a, mid, a preview of midday. Stocks are a little bit higher, despite uh, a reminder of how many jobs the pandemic is destroying. And the S&P 500 was just a little bit higher in early trading. We'll have details on that coming up. All right, thank you very much. Bob, let's turn over to Clay. Time for one last look this week of our regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins back in the studio. And 
Well, Paul, we have seen some snow falling in certain locations and uh, some rather big, thick flakes as well. Exactly. Some nice uh, fluffy flakes. You can try and maybe dodge them a few as you're walking outside, <laughs> but uh, uh, that will be very hard. But, yeah, uh, kind of a nice peaceful snow, not yeah. amounting to a whole lot. Earlier, we did see some snow accumulating just to the east of Arthur, where the highways were a little bit mm. snow-covered there. But I'd imagine things have um, recovered nicely there because the temperatures on into the Nebraska Sandhills are more into the mid-30s. So some nice melting at least going on with the snow. Fluffy. That's a, a very <laughs> correct term to uh, to explain these flakes that we saw earlier today. Exactly. Someone always told me when you see big flakes, that means little accumulation. Little flakes mean big accumulation. Ah, okay. So, all right, very good. So, if you don't want snow, you want the big flakes and vice versa. All exactly. right, very good. Yeah, the nice, pretty flakes coming down. Uh, temperatures, uh, they're okay right now, and unfortunately, most likely, we'll not see the sun today. Exactly. And probably tomorrow, looking doubtful for many of us to see the sun. Some chances at some sun, though, today from Ogallala to Imperial on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado, as we are seeing some breaks in the clouds there, but much of the central and east part of Nebraska and Kansas locked in the cloud cover, mm. and those clouds will expand back towards the west before reducing some clearing finally by Sunday. All right, and I know you'll have more on this in just a moment, but warmer weather is in the near future. Yeah, things really looking up for next week, and it looks to stay around for quite a while here All coming right. up. Yeah, Let's Look forward to it. You bet. Right now, a little bit of light snow still in portions of central Nebraska, especially from just west of Custer County around the Callaway area, and then that activity a lot more scattered as you head from Lexington to the south of the interstate towards the Alma area and also towards Phillipsburg. Just a few light areas of snow. The snow was a little bit more organized this morning over west central Nebraska, but is now uh, gradually dissipating. Temperatures, for the most part, in the low to mid-30s. We are seeing some of those mid-30s right now from Ogallala to North Platte, and also some breaks in the clouds from south of Ogallala on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. But that's probably the extent of where we're going to see some sunshine for today. Light easterly upslope winds and some weak disturbances will keep it mainly cloudy for most of us with chances of flurries or light snow and rain all the way through tomorrow. Any snow accumulations we do see will range from a dusting to a half inch. Today and tomorrow, our temperatures near normal to slightly below normal. Dry weather with some sunshine finally returning by Sunday as high pressure moves in. It might be a little slow in arriving on that sunshine in central and eastern areas by the end of the day on Sunday. But we'll really see the sunshine in full force from Monday into much of next week as a building ridge of high pressure and some westerly winds bring in a major warming trend. Daytime highs will be seasonal on Sunday before they warm to 10 to 15 degrees warmer than normal for Monday on into Thursday. Timing of our next cold front right now a little uncertain, but it does look like we will see a cool down and possibly some stronger winds late next week on into the following weekend. But it doesn't look like it will be a big cool down in the long term forecast. Chances are good for overall warmer than normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas and much of the central and western U.S. for Wednesday all the way through January 21st, especially the mid to late part of next week. Overall precipitation likely to be near normal for Wednesday through the 21st in both Nebraska and Kansas. With the ridge of high pressure over the southwest U.S., any of those systems that do come into our area from the northwest likely to not bring a whole lot of precipitation as their moisture gets wrung out over the mountains. Weather factors affecting the markets include trade, uh, affecting the market trade include limited crop moisture benefit from possible rain in Brazil and Argentina and a sustained La Nina. Here in the U.S., dry weather will prevail in large sections of the northern and central plains and the Midwest over the next several days. An upcoming storm has the potential to produce snow in several areas, including 
the southern plains over the weekend across central Brazil. There's only isolated moderate to heavy rain. Crop health is mixed for corn and soybeans. Southern Brazil has more widespread crop health issues due to dryness, especially towards Rio Grande do Sul. Scattered showers will continue over the rest of Brazil. Widespread heavy showers are possible in southern areas for early next week, but the crop benefit will vary due to the impact of dryness already in effect. In Argentina, the crop conditions much lower than a year ago. An indication of the dryness, scattered showers are possible for tomorrow. Forecast models are a little more aggressive with the rainfall Sunday and Monday and possibly next week. However, that rain unlikely to offer a significant benefit for their crop chances. La Nina does remain in effect. Sea surface temperatures in the eastern Pacific have widespread values of 1 to 2 degrees below normal. That presence of La Nina continues to suggest drier conditions in southern Brazil and Argentina through the balance of the current crop year, along with the dry trend in the U.S. southern plains and also the western Midwest just ahead of spring planting. Something to watch down the road. Day with the weather that we're looking at in certain locations, uh, South Central Nebraska, some areas in the the Sandhills. You kind of alluded to it already, but there there might be some slick spots in the roads here and there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, luckily, the temperatures for the most part just hovering at or ab- above freezing. Mm-hmm. You may encounter some slick spots into eastern areas, but they haven't seen the moisture either. So uh, where we have seen the moisture, luckily those temperatures are at freezing or just above. Just a little slush maybe to deal with at times. And it probably won't uh, hang around if you did see anything because it's going to warm up. Exactly. The ground's pretty good, and uh, Rogue's crew's getting right on it for today. All right. Thank you very much. Good stuff uh, for full weather forecasts. Where do you go to find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska State Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher. Al, thanks for joining us here. Uh, first time in uh, 2021 we've been able to visit with you. And as we kind of look at the month's forecast, uh, nice weather until it gets kind of cold again, huh? Yeah, we can't complain about the weather that we've seen. We, we had those impacts from that storm, of course, there right after Christmas that laid a pretty good swath of snow across much of eastern and central portions of the state, unfortunately missing a lot of western Nebraska. But the snow, the very slow melt of that uh, snowpack was something that we don't normally see this time of the year to get that moisture to slowly melt and for the soil to be able to absorb without being laying on frozen ground and running off. So a very good benefit from that. And we'll continue to see a slow melting trend as we go through this next seven days. In fact, much of it will probably disappear before we deal with any inclement weather. Simply put, the system that moved through during the midweek period is now to our east and is slowly migrating into the central portions of the Mississippi River Valley. At the same time, we have a system to our northwest um, that's moving in through western Nebraska, and then we have an upper air low that is situated down in southern Texas. So all these are rotating around this broad upper air trough, and there's very, very weak steering currents aloft, so it's a slow moving. What this really means is that as the system from western Nebraska moves through over the next 24 hours, we're going to see the clouds, of course, increase. And there's very light chances for some flurry activity, but there's just really no moisture for it to work with. As the system to our south will probably rob most of that moisture. And that system itself will progress to the east over the next couple of days and then start to move up toward the northeastern United States. But the same token, the low that passed through us to the east is broadening out. and It's going to have some energy rotating around it that's going to spread clouds in from the east and they'll have them moving to the west. So 
basically what we're saying is this is going to be a period this weekend that we're going to be pretty much stuck within the 30s with mostly cloudy conditions across a good portion of the eastern half of the state. Western half of the state is likely to see a little bit more sun and probably some little warmer temperatures. But as we get through the weekend, we'll start to see some of that warmer Pacific air start to build in as this broad troughing pattern starts to shift to our east. And at that time, we'll start to see a warming trend across the region. Very, very nice conditions across the central United States. We're probably going to be looking at some 50s across western Nebraska, potentially by Tuesday. We're probably going to be stuck somewhat here in eastern Nebraska in the 40s as a little clipper system moves across the northern plains, may cool us down on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, that big ridge really moves into the central plains, and we should see widespread 50s. And I wouldn't be surprised to see an isolated 60 in the southwest. The biggest question is, is as, as, a, as that ridge builds in, a lot of energy comes into the Pacific Northwest, as indicated by the models, as we get into Thursday, and that starts moving that cold air from Canada down into the northern plains as we get into late Thursday and Friday. So that's our first shot of Arctic air that will move primarily across the upper Midwest and the upper Mississippi River Valley. So eastern Nebraska will get the brunt of that cooler air. That'll probably last a couple days, and then as we go into the third week around the 21st of January that looks like they're indicating another major surge of Arctic air coming down the front range of the Rockies. And this finally might represent the opportunity for some uh, widespread snowfall across western Nebraska that desperately needs to see some moisture because of the extreme drought conditions we're seeing across a substantial portion of the southwest and southern panhandle. All right, very good. Thanks so much for the insight, Al. Appreciate it. Al Dutcher, Nebraska ag climatologist, and this week's update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting. It's time for Midday Sports, and Scott Foster is sitting in for Jason, who is in uh, Missouri for UNK Basketball, which, by the way, we'll have tomorrow again as they play University of Central Missouri over on the river at 106.9 FM. And uh, good day to you, sir. Good day to you also. How are you today? Not too bad. Not it's too Friday. bad. It's Friday. We've got all kinds of basketball warming up. And we're starting to see more people being allowed to go to basketball games. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of nice. Special thing going on in Broken Bow. They're hosting the Nebraska Girls Basketball Showcase this Saturday. Indians head coach Kelly Cooksley, who is one of the organizers of the event, talks about uh, what the thinking was behind it. Kind of wanted to do something for the girls and met with a few people and we we definitely got some some good matchups um you know i i think when when doing the girls matchups i think it's really important to have you know some some good talent which we do individual talent and some good team talent now the tournament was originally scheduled to be played in Kearney, but was moved to broken bow due to the pandemic the schedule of games is pretty interesting on saturday adam central takes on Pleasanton at 11. Of course, Pleasanton, just really good. Malcolm takes on North Central at 1. Mullen battles Louisville, or Louisville. I'm sorry, this is in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Louisville at 3 p.m. And Broken Bow plays Oakland Craig. So some very uh, outside-of-the-box thinking on that one. Let's get some uh, college football here. Alabama coach Nick Saban confirms that there were discussions about the possibility of rescheduling Monday night's national championship game because of COVID-19 issues. The Associated Press and others have reported that Ohio State has spoken with CFP officials about possibly playing possible player availability problems. 
Saban says there were discussions as to whether it was fair to continue, but he added that Alabama students return next week, creating difficult management issues if we would have moved the game back. Ohio coach Ryan Day says we'll have plenty of players available, though he didn't disclose a specific number. We would not want to get in the way of Alabama's uh, academic (laughs) progress. Uh, LaMelo Ball, growing up uh, playing three-on-three against his older brother Lonzo on a concrete court in the backyard of their parents' home in Chino Hills, California. LaMelo says his brothers never took it easy on him, and other kids' parents would be scared to send their kids into the backyard to play. That is where the Ball brothers learned to compete and where they dreamed of playing in the NBA. Tonight... They'll be making history. They'll become the first siblings drafted in the top three of the NBA draft to compete against each other when Lonzo's Pelicans host the rookie LaMelo's Hornets in New Orleans. UNK is scheduled to host its first athletic events of the new year next week when the basketball teams and wrestling squad are scheduled to be in action at home. Athletic director Mark Bauer says they hope to increase seating just a little bit. We're going to open it up to 25%, which is a little over a thousand. I don't know that we're going to have that many uh, people, fans in attendance. Uh, but we have the opportunity, again, to really spread things out. We're very fortunate with the Health and Sports Center. We have a beautiful facility. Uh, we can open it up a little bit more, get a few more fans in there. Through the month of December, only immediate family members were allowed into the games. This week, the Lopers basketball teams are on the road at Lincoln University in central Missouri, as we've talked about, while the wrestling team is scheduled to compete at Iowa State. We'll have basketball tonight here on 880KRVN as I travel to Bertrand, as Bertrand will host the Southern Valley Eagles in girls and boys action. I tell you, I'm interested. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. Both the girls' teams are kind of struggling to find themselves, and Bertrand has just been beat up with injuries. The Southern Valley boys and Bertrand boys, that one could be a pretty interesting game. Southern Valley, who, of course, went to the state championship last year, mm-hmm. is 8-1 this year. They've plugged in some new guys and kind of kept things going, but... The, this was kind of the soft part of their schedule. Now they're getting into the meat of it, whereas Bertrand boys, who have some size, they got a, they go six 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 four. Uh, they're starting to play pretty good. Should be a defensive battle. These two will pound on each other. Yeah, a lot of uh, different skill set players for both teams in the boys contest. Girls game would be terrific as well. Yeah, as always. Uh, but the boys game in particular, something uh, certainly to uh, look forward to. I think so. I think it'll be a good game. Well, uh, you know. Even if the announcer guy isn't very good, the rest of it will be. <laughs> the game should be pretty good itself. So, And, and again, uh, rest in peace, Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, yeah sad news today uh, across Major League Baseball, no I matter so. if you were a Dodger fan or, or not. Uh, but sad news for Lasorda. It's been a lot to the game. He absolutely was, 93. All right, thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate thank you. it. It is time for Midday News, which means Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And, uh, Ellen, how's uh, the week been going so far? You guys have been busy. Well, right now there is a really important court case that's going on with uh, Timmy Timmers and uh, his murder case and all that stuff. So that's Rem- currently going on. And he... Yeah, remind me who Timmy Timmers is. So he... I'm not totally... Um, 
informed up. on the back mm-hmm. background, but it was from 20 years ago. He uh, murdered a woman. Is it the Overton locally. guy? Yeah. Okay. All right. We do have more on that story, by the way, on our website, yes. uh, krvn.com, and our social media pages as well. I, I do know what you're talking about. So check it out yeah. if you haven't already. Get caught up on that. And I forgot yesterday was uh, was his case. So. Yes. All right. Very good. What else do you have for us today? Well, at 6.45 a.m. today, a two-vehicle accident was reported in the eastbound lanes of Interstate 80 between Gothenburg and Kozat. One person had an injury to his knee that was not considered life-threatening. He refused medical treatment. I-80 eastbound lanes were reopened after being blocked for a short time. And the Nebraska State Patrol and several other agencies went to the scene to deal with the injured and arranged to have the vehicles removed. Well, yesterday, January 7th, two rivers public health updated the weekly risk dial. The risk dial has risen this week within the orange elevated stage. Two Rivers Public Health will continue to work with local health partners to distribute and administer uh, COVID-19 vaccines. While recent changes in numbers of cases both locally and statewide offer hope, remaining vigilant to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is more important than ever. Also, Two Rivers reported 58 new cases of COVID-19 for yesterday. Buffalo County 26, Dawson 14, Franklin 2, Gosper 1, Harlan 1, Kearney County 1, and Phelps County 13. Also, please remember to follow the three C's, crowded places, close contacts, and confined spaces. The Nebraska State Patrol is investigating an incident in which a subject shot himself during a brief standoff in Kearney County. At approximately 12.10 p.m. yesterday, the Kearney County Sheriff's Office responded to a report of an armed subject barricaded in a vehicle outside a residence south of Minden. The Sheriff's Office requested assistance at the scene but, but from both Nebraska State Patrol and Minden Police. As the assisting agencies arrived on scene, a gunshot was heard from inside the vehicle. The subject was then discovered with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Law enforcement officials on scene attempted to render aid, but the subject died a short time later. The man has been identified as Scott Hareen, 51, of Upland. And finally, the state law that allowed President-elect Joe Biden to win one of Nebraska's electoral college votes could once again be in jeopardy under a new bill introduced in the legislature. The measure would reinstate the winner-take-all system in Nebraska, awarding all five of its electoral college votes to the statewide winner in presidential races. Nebraska Republicans have tried for years to repeal the 1991 law that lets the state divide its votes. Nebraska is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly Republican and a Democratic presidential candidate hasn't won statewide since Lyndon B. Johnson in 1964. The current system enacted in 1991 awards two votes to the statewide presidential winner and three by congressional district. You can find more news at krvn.com. Ray Ward always says you don't put more fuel in the tank if the gate says it's full. The same applies for fertilizing your fields. Why apply fertilizer in areas of high fertility and starve areas in need? Soil testing ensures you put your fertilizer dollars where it counts to reduce environmental impact and maximize production. Ask your retailer or crop consultant to submit your soil samples to Nebraska Farmers' favorite lab. Ward Laboratories in Kearney. Visit wardlab.com to learn more. Today, we are learning about the role of rural grocery stores in community vitality. I'm Alex Wachowski reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined on the phone by Erica Blair. She is the program manager for the Rural Grocery Initiative. Erica, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. 
Erica, to start off this conversation, let's talk about the Rural Grocery Initiative and some of the things that you guys set out to do. Sure. Well, um, the Rural Grocery Initiative is a program within Kansas State Research and Extension. Um, We've been around since 2007, and our mission is really to provide resources to help sustain independently owned rural grocery stores. So we do this through um, a number of different ways, including technical assistance to grocers or other community members, um, conducting research to identify challenges and best practices for grocery stores. Um, And then we also host various educational and networking events, um, like the the business transition webinar series that, that we're talking about today. So the Rural Grocery Initiative, along with some partners and sponsors that help make it possible, have put together a webinar series. It's called Keeping Groceries Alive, Successful Ownership Transitions for Rural Grocery Stores. Tell us more about this webinar series and what its purpose is. Yeah, um, well, to start, I think it's really important just to point out just how vital rural grocery stores are for communities. So obviously they're a source of healthy food, but they also provide jobs for the community. They contribute to the local tax base. Um, They often serve other functions like being a gathering place for community members. So anyone living in a small town with a grocery store knows all of this and understands just how important their grocery store is. So when a grocery store closes, especially in rural places, this can be a huge shock and a huge disruption to the community. Um, It means losing out on those economic benefits. Um, It can mean people suddenly having to drive 20, 30 miles to access healthy food. So really the purpose of our webinar series is to try to prevent grocery stores from suddenly closing in the first place. And one way of doing this, um, one way of tackling this challenge is through business transition planning. Um, So to kind of phrase it in another way, creating an exit strategy for the business. So when a grocer is ready to retire, or if for whatever reason they're leaving the grocery industry, there's a plan in place for someone to take over the store and keep it operating. So it's not only important from the community's perspective, but also for grocers who are thinking about their financial futures and who want to see their legacies live on for many years to come. Um, Business transition planning is a really important thing to start thinking about early on. So um, the webinar series, we will be providing guidance and tools for creating business transition plans, which we have found to be really important for maintaining grocery stores over the long term in rural communities. Erica, when consumers or community members think about rural grocery stores, we certainly don't think about them closing or transitioning into new ownership. Obviously, that's important for the business owners or maybe for the employees, but why is it important for the community to be thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, from the community's perspective, they're they're wanting to have a sustainable source of healthy food for the long term. They want to make sure that they are receiving those 
really important economic benefits that that grocery stores can provide. Um, we've seen across Kansas various examples where communities have gotten involved in helping this transition take place. So, you know, many of us are are very familiar with traditional mom and pop grocery stores that have one owner, but we've seen some other examples where communities are really stepping in and getting creative to help their grocery store remain open. So for instance, we've seen cooperatives where community members on the store, we've seen um, public-private partnerships where, for example, maybe the building is owned by a city government or a foundation, but it's being run um, and owned. The business is owned by an individual. Um, we've even seen schools starting to run grocery stores, which is a you know really innovative way of providing food for the community, but also teaching students important business skills. So there are so many interesting opportunities that often arise during these transition periods where communities can, can get involved and help maintain the grocery store. We're visiting with Erica Blair. She's the program manager for the Rural Grocery Initiative. Erica, to find more information about this upcoming webinar or to learn more about the Rural Grocery Initiative, where's the best place to get that information? Yeah, so the best place to get the information is at our website. It's ruralgroceries.org, um, and that's where you can see the full schedule. We have eight different webinars starting January 28th. They are on Thursdays at 1.30 p.m. They'll all be on Zoom, and they're all free. So you can go to ruralgrocery.org to see the schedule and register. All right, great information. Thanks so much, Erica. That again is Erica Blair. She's the program manager for the Rural Grocery Initiative. And again, if you're interested in attending the webinars that are going to cover information about keeping groceries alive, all you need to do is visit ruralgrocery.org. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hi. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are ticking higher on Wall Street, despite a sober reminder of how many jobs the pandemic is destroying. The S&P 500 was three-tenths of a percent higher in early trading. The Dow and other indexes were also adding a bit to their record highs. A much weaker report on the jobs market than economists expected is adding pressure on Washington to deliver more financial support for the economy. U.S. employers shed jobs last month for the first time since April, cutting 140,000 positions. It's evidence that the economy is faltering as the viral pandemic tightens its grip on consumers and businesses. The unemployment rate stayed at 6.7 percent, the first time it hasn't fallen since April. Today's figures from the Labor Department suggest that employers have rehired roughly all the workers they can afford to after having laid off more than 22 million in the spring, the worst such loss on record. The economy still has 9.9 million fewer jobs than it did before the pandemic sent it sinking into a deep recession nearly a year ago. Millions of business owners are about to get additional help weathering the coronavirus outbreak. The Small Business Administration and the Treasury Department are reviving the Paycheck Protection Program five months after its first two rounds of funding ended. 
Businesses that received loans last year will be able to borrow up to $2 million as long as they have no more than 300 employees and suffered at least a 25% drop in quarterly revenue. New research suggests the COVID-19 vaccine made by Pfizer and BioNTech can still work against a mutated coronavirus. Two easier-to-spread new variants of the virus have the world on edge. One was discovered in Britain and the other in South Africa, but they share a common mutation. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. It's time for this week's Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. The Olson Ranch in Banner County is getting ready for its bull sale at the end of January. Among the bulls for sale will be some 18-month-olds as the ranch calves in May and June, which Douglas Olson admits is a bit different from most ranches. Prior to 1999, we calved uh, starting March 1. Uh, we made the switch in 1999, uh, moved the cows all to a 20th of May start date and uh, have been there since which influences a lot of things in the production cycle from feed resources, labor resources, to winning market cattle. And uh, so we have decided to lower some inputs in our cow herd by adjusting when those cattle are in their third trimester. So when we calve in May and June, we are out on green grass. Uh, We do AI cows in August and then wean calves in November. Olson says right now they have the 2020 born calves and most of their cattle out on corn stalks. In June, the steers will go back to the corral for finishing in early December and be ready for market. He explains how the timing works for them in the market. With a later calving start time, our calves are smaller coming off the cow. And so it's a system that works well if um, you can target those calves to an operation that's either going to grow those calves or summer them the next year, or in our case, we retain ownership. And so not only do we wean those calves in in November, and then we start feeding them actually June 1 uh, for a harvest date in early December. Uh, Thus, we miss some of the lower markets in the summertime and uh, catch the, the finished cash cattle trade when it's going back up in the late fall, early winter. In Banner County, where Olson Ranches is located, the dry, mild weather much of the Midwest is experiencing is both good and bad for the diversified operation. The lack of snowfall and the warmer weather actually makes the requirement levels for those cattle to maintain their body weight and to gain weight easier. And so this is a good time for the less moisture. However, it's a double-edged sword, as all cattle producers know, that you have to have moisture to have green grass in the spring. And so we know that we have to have moisture. And so as we look at forecasts and plan for what moisture or lack of moisture is the current forecast, uh, we have to think about what we're going to use for resources for those cows and how our drought management plan is going to take shape. Along with getting calves ready for the market and the bull sale, Olson Ranches is also collecting data for the American Hereford Association National Reference Sire Program. In the middle of December, our fed cattle, fed steers from the 2019 born calves went to harvest. 
And so we are compiling that data to get the carcass data and the feed efficiency data that we measured here on the ranch to the American Hereford Association um, as those steers are part of the National Reference Hire Program. And that data can be used in their database uh, to adjust EPDs for the bulls that we tested in our cow herd. I'm Chabella Guzman with the Rural Radio Network, and we'll be back to chat more with Douglas Olson on the American Hereford Association National Reference Sire Program in February on our Friday Feeders, brought to you by FNBO, the great big. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, grain's in mixed here to close out the week, but soybeans continue being a leader clear through Friday, despite the fact there wasn't a whole lot of news to really spur this market today. No, I, I you know, kind of searched throughout the uh, the wires here at noon to see why soybean meal was up $20 a metric ton. Soybean oil pulled back a little bit. That's it's kind of bullish in my opinion. You've had oil really lead the way here. Meal could kind of finish us up on the upside. Um, I'd imagine we're we're going to you know be up here through the report on Tuesday. Closing on the highs isn't bearish. Uh, you know we we ran up to five earlier this week and then backed off on the corn. Now we're back up again. So five ten that's the high from twenty sixteen and tw- I'm sorry twenty twenty fourteen and twenty oh six. I believe that was the intramont high. So we'll look for some resistance there. Certainly a crowded trade at this point, but it's hard to get bearish when you see the rest of the risk assets across the globe starting to move. So um, feels like the USDA is going to have to knock it off its pedestal here. And even if they, even if they do that, I still don't think the market's going to stay down. So if you've been waiting to buy a break, you might get you know USDA induced chance on on uh, on Tuesday. We look out and you talk about those broader asset classes. We often talk in the currencies, and the U.S. dollar index has just been beaten on its lows here over the last couple of weeks. But now we look here today, and it's starting to creep up there ever so slightly. Is this more a profit-taking action there in the U.S. dollar index, or are we actually trying to see the dollar index get up despite the fact more stimulus is likely down the pipe? Well, we're in the middle of the, the rebound, so the rebalancing will end today. Uh, that probably has something to do with it. But, you know, the, the I guess at the I'd miss the vote if they said they're going to vote on the $2,000. I would imagine um, they got to wait at least till the new president's in office and, you know, everybody's sworn in. So short term, you know, it's, it's, I think the market's just going to crave more. So it'll price in a certain rally. And then at some point, I think the dollar dynamics will, will come in, but you know, you want to listen for words from the federal reserve, like words like taper and things like that. As far as tapering bond purchases, we haven't even started that. But I think the markets are going to be well supported here. And I kind of just look at, Still, the question I ask, I guess, a lot of my clients is like, "What is five dollars worth? You know, what is, what does that represent now? COVID times, and I don't think anybody can really answer that. So right now, money's at zero, and then you're going to see, uh, I think, assets perform at least in the short run. That is John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing, a Chicago publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. You can always learn more at danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John's daily commentary once again as a podcast each afternoon. It's available at ruralradio.com. Just click on the podcast tab. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this, well, final weekly edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors at krvn.com or wherever you can find uh, podcasts as well. Again, 
That is all available every single midday from this week and today. We'll be online at krvn.com.